And we are joined on the line now by Finance Minister Ntlantlan Nene, who is uh, at the G20 Summit in Turkey. Minister, thanks for speaking to us this morning. Sakina uh, and uh, Minister, what are some of the more uh, the important discussions taking place at the G20 summit? Um, was it totally overshadowed by the uh, a, a terrorist activity in Paris? Well, to some extent, yes. Uh, but uh, I must say that um, the uh, normal agenda of uh, G20 continues. Uh, we have had discussions. Actually, the matter of terrorism and uh, uh, issues of migration were discussed late last night because there does need to be particular attention paid to it, but not only because of the developments and the latest uh, uh, tragic uh, attacks in uh, Paris, but because it has always been on the agenda. Uh, but uh, this has, it has now received a much sharper focus and uh, has uh, uh, also... Um, woken us all up to the fact that we do need a coordinated approach to dealing with the, with this threat uh, to stability. And, and it raises a few questions around the issue of refugees and uh, migration, because uh, at the recent EU-Africa summit on migration, uh, there was a promise, you know, to give money to African countries so that they can actually keep um, Africans at home. With regard to that, you know, how much did uh, they offer the EU for the same? Look, uh, it's, it's much more for for, uh, for African states, but uh, it's not about the money. It's about creating environment uh, in um, African states and all the other states that are impacted upon by the exodus of uh, its uh, nationals uh, looking for better opportunities. But also, one of the warnings that are sounded was, uh, uh, now that we're having these uh, terror attacks, uh, there is a tendency in some quarters of wanting to associate the, uh, I mean, the uh, acts of terrorism to uh, to this issue of movement of people across borders. The fact of the matter is that uh, it's not everyone and all uh, people across the table echoed the same sentiment that we should guard against uh, lumping all refugees as, uh, uh, you know, perpetrators of these uh, 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 terror attacks at the end of the day. This thing happens, and some of them are actually middle class people that are involved in this. Acts are actually middle class, and uh, some actually quite uh, wealthy, uh, 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 you know, uh, elements. But uh, the uh, actual amount uh, to perhaps go back to the the not, uh, uh, actual amounts uh, safe to say that all the multinational uh, or multilateral organisations, including the World Bank and everybody else, have pledged their support to assist nations in uh, creating conditions in their own countries that uh, would actually uh, make better conditions for people to stay in their countries rather than uh, the kind of uh, activity that you are seeing across borders. Minister, as you indicated, this was not uh, the only item on the agenda. Um, With regard to um, uh, growth and development in Africa and specifically South Africa, um, what was discussed in that regard? Look, the, um, on the uh, top of the agenda is the issue of uh, inclusive, sustainable growth. Uh, because at the end of the day, um, though we are all uh, subjected to uh, the global uh, economic uh, situation, uh, ranging from the fall in commodity prices, uh, depressed and uh, falling demand, and uh, also um, the, the issues of uh, uh, poverty, at the end of the day, it is growing the cake that would make countries uh, sustainable, that would actually grow even the global. Because 
mind. Uh, remember, Sakina, the uh, slowdown in, in global uh, uh, economic uh, uh, situation is an aggregation of the slowdown in individual countries, individual regions. So there is renewed uh, focus on what each region, what each country is doing. Uh, if you look into Africa, the Agenda 2063, financing for development, issues of international tax, uh, at the end of the day, are all aimed at uh, growing those economies uh, on a sustainable basis, but the inclusion of women, inclusion of young people, as you know, that those uh, categories are the most vulnerable and uh, the ones that uh, have been left out. In uh, If you talk unemployment, the bulk of the unemployed um, are, are young people and um, uh, women in particular. Uh, so all of those matters are on the table. And, 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 but more, more than anything else, looking at uh, the global value chains also as to where each of the countries and the sharing experiences with our counterparts. And uh, we also had on the sidelines a, a BRICS uh, a leaders uh, a meeting. Uh, earlier we had yesterday the, the, the B20 and the L20, that's the business uh, 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 part of uh, uh, the G20 and the labor part of the G20. And on uh, that international tax that you mentioned, uh, was there any further detail as to how this will be handled going forward? Look, um, we're building on um, already existing initiatives, one by the OECD, but at the G20 level, but also uh, South Africa were one of the um, first signatories to the automatic exchange of information, which started as just exchange of information on request. We're now looking at uh, automatic exchange of information. A number of most of, of the countries have actually signed because what needs to happen is to reduce the number of tax havens, but also find a, a, a real, a, a real coordinated a, a, a arrangement that ensures because that's the only way you can actually, uh, you know, close that loop in terms of uh, 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 tax evasion and base erosion. But um, we are um, engaging on that, and uh, on the agenda today again um, at, uh, at the, I mean, uh, the, the last G20 uh, session, we are going to have the issue of the issue of international tax on the table. Thank you so much, uh, Finance Minister Santa Nene, speaking to us from the G20 summit in Turkey. And uh, staying with, uh, you know, part of that story, at least as it pertains to the attacks in France, French police are on the heels of a French man believed to be directly involved in Friday's attacks in Paris that killed 129 people. Now, seven people have been detained. And in Belgium, uh, there are also raids underway in connection with these deadly attacks. One of the gunmen has been identified by police as Umar Ismail Mustafai. And um, we are now joined on the line by Professor Farid Isak to tell us more, uh, give us his view on uh, this particular issue. Uh, Prof, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Sakina. Now, Prof, you know, you wake up to this and everybody is stunned. And uh, before you know it, France, we're still thinking of how they might retaliate. And already we hear reports uh, that they are now bombing certain targets in Syria. What's your take on all of this? Uh, Well, first of all... um, I don't think that there is anything that was unexpected, really. Uh, the timing, there's always an element of suddenness. This is in the nature of these attacks. Uh, but given the fact that uh, France has been part of a coalition 
that has been, uh, first of all, uh, active in Iraq itself, in the destabilization of Iraq. And France has been active in also uh, part of the, although limited coalition, that have been attacking ISIS. It was just a matter of time before um, one would see attacks uh, in Western capitals of those nations that have been a part of attacking ISIS. So this is inevitable. It is only the beginning, unfortunately. So you're saying they basically should have foreseen these attacks and taken precautionary measures? Well, absolutely. I think um, at two levels. First of all, the simple inevitability of it. Secondly, um, a scale on this level involving uh, this many people and uh, this many targets at the same time, uh, it is unimaginable for me, very difficult to fathom, how security could not have predicted it. One is not saying that security should have been able to predict all the targets and the specific time, but there must have been a significant amount of clutter and chatter going on uh, inside these circles uh, for, this, for these attacks to have been pulled up. And so it's rather surprising that uh, they were caught uh, unawares. And, you know, just given what's uh, been going on and uh, the reporting that has uh, come out of this, there seems to be a blurred line here between religion and politics. Which do you think this actually speaks to more poignantly? Uh, Well, first of all, I mean, many of the ISIS people, uh, they do say that they are following religious methods. They are saying that they are inspired by uh, religion and that there are precedents for these attacks on civilians inside the religion that they claim that they adhere to. The vast majority of Muslims, though, throughout the world, both lay Muslims and every single religious authority, have absolutely denounced them and have said that nothing that they are doing uh, can be done in the name of Islam or can be legitimated by Islam. But regardless of where they get their inspiration from, or where they get their textual uh, or Quranic legitimation from, um, it is political conditions that allow certain texts or certain teachings to become alive or to become dead. And so um, there are political conditions today um, that enables people to use texts which seemingly support violence, and it is those political conditions, I think, that we need to be considering. What is it in how we treat other people uh, that cause... Now, I'm not saying that you blame um, a a short skirt for a rape event, but we do need to see what are the political conditions that often we are responsible for that creates these kinds of uh, tensions inside the world. You don't invade countries. You don't just destabilize or topple governments in their countries and create an enormous amount of political vacuums, and they not expect this instability to lead to other things, including what we've seen, for example, in North Africa, the destabilization of North Africa, and now you're sitting with uh, an immigration uh, crisis (coughs) in the south of Europe, and you're sitting with uh, inside North Africa, forget about Paris, in Mali, in Mauritania, in Libya, in Tunisia, you're sitting with huge security issues after the destabilization of these countries with, for example, the, uh, the war on Gaddafi and the forced expulsion of Gaddafi or the murder of Gaddafi 
from his country in the name of democracy. So we need to think about the long-term implications of what we do when we move into other countries to not so much establish democracy, the reality is to go and establish your own economic interests in the name of democracies. So long-term political issues must be considered before one just goes into another country, bombs the country, invades the country in the name of democracy or freedom or whatever, the little fig leaves that Western governments are prone to use when they go inside a country to defend um, or to secure their own interests.